This week's parasha is Parashas Nayach. There's a very famous Ramban. At the beginning of Parshas Nayach, where he writes something that's very essential about the Teva, he says that there are so many animals in the animal kingdom, and some of them are quite large. There are elephants, and there are buffaloes, and there's all types of different animals that are, they take up a lot of room. He says there are many birds, Ain Misbar, there's innumerable amounts of species of birds, and there are Muslim, there is even the creepy crawlers, but if you have, you know, millions of them, they take up space. Plus, you have to feed all these animals. And if you would make a cheshpin, says the Ramban, of how much space Alpidera Chateva would take to contain Nayak and his family and all of these thousands and maybe millions of creatures and the food to feed them, he said it wouldn't be enough one teva nor ten tevas. You could have ten arcs the size of Nayaks with those dimensions and they still wouldn't even be able to hold all of the cargo that Nayak was expected to stuff on board this Teva. And so the Ramban is left with no other conclusion to make other than the fact that it was a miracle that the entire dimensions of the Teva were simply miraculous. Hichsik muet es a small amount of space was able to extend and to envelop and to hold a much larger amount of physical matter which the laws of physics would be defied by on board the Teva. This is a miracle. If you're making a cheshpin, says the Ramban, of how, how Nayak was able to get on board this table, all of this stuff, he says, you could put your calculator away because it was nothing short of miraculous. Hichsik muet es that a small amount of space is able to contain a lot more than it should naturally be able to hold. Parenthetically, I once wanted to use this Ramban to answer a kasha of Tysus. There's a Tysus that appears in several places throughout Shas. One of them uh, is on Daf Yum, in Mesechus Yuma, Daf Amad Aleph, Amad Aleph. And the Gemara there describes the dimensions of man vis-a-vis how much water needs to be in a mikvah to be able to contain the average man. And the cheshman of the Gemara is that it, it, it comes out that man, on average, is more than three amas tall. And Tysus asks, on the Targum of Megillus Esther, the Targum of Megillus Esther describes the famous Eitz Gavaya Hamishim Amma. Haman erected a 50 amma tall gallow on which he ended up being hanged, him and his ten sons. 
And the Targum explains how all of the sons were hanged on this 50 amma piece of wood, and how each, between each son there was an amma of space. So Tyson says, I don't understand. Let's take out a calculator. If the average man, which let's assume the Bnei Haman were all of average, average height, and it's more than three amas, let's say it's four amas, the average man, so then four amas times 11 is 44, plus the amma between each one, that's 54, 55, whatever the cheshman is, it's not enough room on that gallow of 50 amas. doesn't fit. So Taisa is bothered by the Targum based on this Gemara. It can't be both. And the conclusion of Taisus is that it must be that the sons of Haman were Ketue Reish. They weren't hanged as we naturally picture them being hanged with a noose around their neck. But rather, they were killed, they were beheaded, and then they were sort of stapled to this wooden pole. And that way it fits perfectly, because without a head, it's three amas, and then you got 30, 33, three times 11, plus the amma in between each one. It fits perfectly. I have a friend whose father is a very big tamachacham, and he's very sharp, and he, he once joked, I guess, based on this thesis, that in my sur we say, Roy bana v'kinyanav, so simple pshat is his many sons and his stuff were hanged on the tree. He says, no, right Bonav, the son, a majority of each son made it to the tree. The head wasn't there, but most of the, we got, we got 85% of the body was there. Not the head, but right Bonav were there. So I once wanted to say that to answer Tysus, you could say very geschmack. Put your calculator away. It was really all the entire, not right bana, but the entire bana, the entire, with the head, with the body, the whole nine yards of Hamanu Banov. Aye, but it doesn't work mathematically. Yeah, but there's a Yalkut in Megillus Esther that says, where did Haman get this gallow, this piece of wood? Home Depot doesn't sell 50 amma long planks. Where did he get this from? And the Medr says that one of his sons was a governor in Har Ararat, which is where the Teva of Nayak was uh, docked at the end of the Mabo. And we know in the dimensions of the Teva there was Hamishim uh, Amma, Hamishim Amma Rachba, one of the planks was 50 Amas long. So this son of Nayak, who was the governor who had the dominion over the Teva, he FedExed this plank, 50 amma long plank, to Shushan Abira. And Haman used that plank from the Teva, thinking that Mordechai would be hanged, but eventually, of course, he was hanged, him and his sons. What do we know about the plank of the Teva? It was a miraculous, elastic type of wood. A small shear was able to hold a lot more than physics would permit. And so perhaps that elasticity 
of the Teva was still there, embedded in this piece of wood, and so all Cheshbonis are off. You don't make any Cheshbonis when it comes to this piece of wood because it's from the Teva of Nayak. What is the Musar Hasko of this? What are we supposed to do with this Ramban? When you see Ramban, he tells us, that it was a nace. Is there a lesson that we could learn from this? Is there a reason that the Rabbi Shalom made this Teva with such an ability, a, a, an amazing ability to be expandable? To be extendable. Why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu do this? If he did it, it must be for a purpose. And I was thinking to say the following. In Naftira in this week's parsha, we read from Sefer Yeshaya, Perak Nundalad. The reason, of course, why we choose this as the Haftira Parsha Snayap is because it references the Mabel. And it calls, it calls the Mabel by a very, very strange name. It doesn't call it the Mabel like we call it, it calls it May Nayach. These are the waters, the floods of Nayach, as if to pin the blame of the Mabal at Nayach's feet. Nayach was responsible for the Mabal coming. The Zayar explains why this should be, why it is that this is called Meinayach, and he says what we would expect everyone to say, and that is that Nayach should have reprimanded his dar. Nayach should have been more involved in being Makari of the people of the dar, being doing like Avram Avinu, making sure to correct the errors that he saw in the dar, and he didn't. He sort of just was very laissez-faire about his generation, and because of that, he bore responsibility, and we call it Meinayach. I was thinking perhaps of saying a, a little bit of a, of a deeper or different machshava as to why the Mabel was called Meinayach. What did Nayach do wrong? What was, why was this his fault? The word Nayach comes from the word menucha, neichies, very easy, chilled, very relaxed. Why was Nayach called that? Well, Nayach brought menucha to the world. Nayach was the creator, the inventor of the plow. The plow was a great invention because before the plow, you can imagine what it took in order to plow a field. You had to bend down in your hands and knees and plant things and then prune them and then weed them and then pick them all with your hands. And there were thorns and thistles on the, on the agriculture and it was very difficult. It was almost impossible for people to plant something that grew and then pick it because it was just too much work. They did it, but it was the less Breira. They had no choice. Nayach observed this 
And Nayak came up with a great invention, maybe the greatest invention of all time. He said, I don't think that man should have to do so much heavy lifting. Let the animals do that. So he invented a plow. A plow is like the first automated machine in the world. You hitch on the back of an animal a strong ox or a, or a mule or a donkey. You, you hitch a, something that's able to sort of rake the ground and overturn the earth, till the soil, and you just let it go. And the animal goes back and forth and back and forth on these furrows and makes it all nice and you're able to plant seeds very easily and then you're able to take care of the soil and pick the, the wheat, the fruits, whatever it is, all in an automated manner. And Nayak had the best of intentions. Nayak felt that if he was able to make life easy for humanity... Humanity would then be able to do things that are more important than being on your hands and knees picking potatoes. You could engage in Taira, you could engage in Sila, you could do Chesed, you could be a better father, a better husband, you could play ball, you could do things that are really, you know, like have a life. Nayak had the best of intentions. Very often, inventors with the best of intentions see in the end that their intentions were not really fulfilled and often quite the opposite. I'll give you a great example. In the 1800s, there was a man by the name of Alfred Nobel. Alfred Nobel was the inventor of dynamite. He was a pacifist. He himself loved peace and he hated war. He abhorred war. He, he was like the greatest pacifist of his time. But he was a very brilliant man. He invented dynamite, not for any war purposes. He invented dynamite in order to make life easier for people, in order to make a highway. If you drive up, let's say, on the 17 to get up to the mountains, so... You drive up on a road and you think it's so, like, this road must have been here. Mishesh is made gracious. You know, you have a, a road. Somehow there are mountains all around, but I have a straight path to get straight up to Monticello. It's amazing. How did that happen? Did the Rebbeinah also, like, paint the lines in the middle of the road? How did this road get there? The answer is, there were mountains there. They took sticks of dynamite. They blew up the mountain. And now they were able to just, with a lot of work, pave a path, pave a road through the mountains. You don't have to like, keep going up and down and up and down. You're able to get through it in a straight way. He made millions of dollars on this invention. But not just because people like to build roads, but governments, when they discovered this concept of dynamite, they say, hey, this is really cool. We can throw this at our enemy and they, our enemies will blow up. We could drop this out of airplanes and like you know, cities will will vaporize. This is great. And they were buying this dynamite like it was going out of style. Alfred Nobel's brother died before him. He had a brother, Ludwig. He died before him, but the newspapers confused Ludwig and Alfred. They thought that Alfred was the one who died. 
So they wrote an obituary, that one of the French newspapers wrote an obituary about Alfred. That's really cool to get to read your own obituary. You don't get to do that. You're dead already by the time you get to read it. So, but Alfred was able to read his own obituary. You know what the paper said about him? I can't say it in French, but he was the merchant of death, they wrote about him. He was the merchant of death. Because of him, countries use his bombs to kill thousands of people. That's the legacy of Alfred Nobel. He had the best of intentions. He wanted to make life easy for people. He was the biggest pacifist. He, unbeknownst to him, created war, took war to a new level. That's why, by the way, if the name sounds familiar, the Nobel Peace Prize was his contribution. He wanted peace in the world. He wanted to sort of use all the money that he made and foster and promote peace instead of war. That was his last-ditch effort to undo the terrible invention that he realized that he had made. Lahavdil, Nayak was similar because Nayak also created, with the best of intentions, an invention of the plow in order to make life easy, to make a Nayak for the world, to have Menucha for the world, Nayakhiyas, let the world breathe a little bit. Let the world have a nice lifestyle. Let the world have time to do meaningful things. Nayak himself was a tzaddik. Ish tzaddik He used his time wisely. He used all of the, the benefits of creating that plow personally to great advantage. The problem is that the dar did not. The Dar, you know what the Dar did when they had this plow? They had so much free time. They were so chilled and so relaxed and so lazy from the lack of productivity, from the lack of busyness that they should have been busy with that you know what that bread, like it always does, Gezel, Hamas, Arias, all of the, the sins of the Daramabo were really Nayak's fault, in a way. Because when a person doesn't work, he becomes lazy, he becomes insolent. And what happens then? I don't want to work. If I'm getting a welfare check every month, I have zero incentive or willingness to actually go and get a job. And if I'm not going and getting a job, if I become very lazy, what do I do? How do I eat? Very easy. I steal. I embezzle. I take shortcuts. I do things the easy way. Arias is the same thing. Arias, the normal way of doing things is go, you know, you want a wife, get married to her, support her, feed her, take care of her. Arias says, no, why would I, why would I want to do that? What, am I crazy? Why would I want this oil on me? A responsibility to take care of a wife and kids and family? Arias. Just go and, and you know take somebody else's wife or take have a you know have a relationship. No responsibility, very geschmack, very easy, without any care, without any work, without any effort, without any labor. That is the legacy of Nayak at this point in history. Nayak tried to create Menucha for the world so that the world could be tzaddikim, but instead they became Rishayim. 
Because instead of taking advantage of the free time that they had to do good, they just became lazy. They just said, I don't want to work. I like living the good life. I like relaxing. And that's natural. We all like relaxing. The default of man is to relax. We all want to relax. What gets us off the couch and actually motivates us to work? You have to push yourself. But this generation did not want to push themselves because things were good, things were easy. I don't want, I'm lazy, I don't want to. I don't want to work. Work is not for me. I don't want to get my, my fingernails dirty. I have a plow for that. I have an ox for that. I don't need this. So the world became full of Gezo and Hamas and Arias. The world was lazy. The world was non-motivated. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu despised this world. A world of laziness, a world without ambition, without productivity, where people had nothing other than Averis to do. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, that's it. It's over. But he gave the world one last chance. And he told Nayak, I want you to build a Teva for 120 years. And as Rashi says, Nayak was Tireach. Nayak worked so hard on this Teva. The Musser of the Teva wasn't just that there was a Mabel coming. That was almost secondary. The Musser of the Teva was that people saw an old man building and hammering and sawing, painting, tarring, insulating, designing, engineering, making a ship seaworthy. People saw that there was a man that was actually productive with his life, that he was interested in building something. He was busy, he was amal, he was tireach. He was extending himself beyond the teva. He could have also rested on his laurels. He could have also sat on the couch all day and done nothing. But he was going, he was pushing himself day in and day out, rain, sun, snow, whatever the conditions were, he was out there working and people saw this. It was supposed to ignite in society and civilization or reignite this desire to work and to be busy and to not steal and be corrupt and be immoral because you're so lazy, because you have nothing else to do. So you take shortcuts. Get up, do something, extend yourself further than the natural teva that you have to be lazy. Laziness is the default of man. But do something active, be proactive, build. That was the Musa Shmuz that Nayak gave the Dar. But the Dar by this time was too into their own natural inclinations to care. And they ignored the message of Nayak. Ela told us, Nayach, Nayach. You know what the greatest, the legacy of Nayach was? Not in a positive way. The, the legacy of Nayach was Nayach. The fact that people are chilled, too relaxed, too calm, too unmotivated. That's the legacy at this point of Nayach. Ela told us, Nayach, the told us of Nayach, Nayach. This Nayach is this this 
too easygoing lifestyle, this natural want of just resting, relaxing, retiring, sitting poolside, doing nothing, vegetating, chilling, whatever term you like, that's the toldus of Nayak at this point. Nayak desperately tried to change this, but it was too late. May Nayak Zaisli. The mabel is because of Nayak. He didn't mean it to be. It's hard to say this about Nayak. The terrorist says such great things about him. He's a tzaddik. But yet, inadvertently, he created a dar full of gezel, chamas, arayas because of laziness, because of lack of productivity. And because of that, he was, in a way, responsible. Meinayach. It was his mabel. He owned the mabel. Because he invented this concept in life of neuchis, of relaxation. And I believe that perhaps HaKadosh Baruch Hu responded to Nayach in kind. What a nace is, a nace is HaKadosh Baruch Hu going above Teva. Teva. That's what a nace is. When the Yamsuf split, that was HaKadosh Baruch Hu changing Teva. There was Teva, and this is Teva. This is above Teva. When Nayak built the Teva, with such great effort, with such great mysterious nefesh, and he broke his own teva. He went above and beyond teva, the teva of Neuchias, and he said, I'm going to do amelos and tirchan abayda. I'm going to extend myself further than I naturally want. HaKadosh Baruch Hu responded with a teva that was benes hichzik hamuet asamerubah, there was a supernatural elasticity to the Teva as if to say, I understand what you did and I'm responding to it. You did well, Nayef. You might have caused this mess, but you were misocking it with this Teva. And the walls of the Teva are They prove that the efforts of Nayef were met appropriately. HaKadosh Baruch Hu changed Teva. He made a nace. He extended Teva. He extended the ability of walls to hold a certain amount. He extended them as if to say, you extended your Teva and I am extending my Teva. That's the message of Hichzik Muras Amruba. Before the Mabel Nayak did this, on the Mabel Nayak did this for 12 months. Tsar Gadol Haisalanu Bateva, Shame used to say. We had Saras on this Teva, we had. We were busy day and night. We didn't sleep. Twelve months. At night we were busy feeding the animals that were up at night. By day we were up feeding the animals that were up at day. Each animal with its own diet. Trying to figure out when they eat, what they eat. Day and night they're running around like crazy. This amelus, this yegiya, this tircha was a tikkun for what Nayach had brought to the world. This was his effort, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, I approve your efforts. 
I'm going to respond by showing you that your efforts were not in vain. I'm extending myself just as you extended yourself. You broke Teva and I will break Teva. This is the lesson, I believe, of the expandable Teva that Nayak built. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Mashpia, is Bracha on this Teva, telling Nayak that you showed the world appropriately what I want. How a person has to stretch himself, extend himself, not rest on his laurels, not rest, period, but be up day and night being productive in whatever field you're in. Do not get lazy. Do not opt the easier course. There is a beauty and a virtue to working hard and to accomplishing great things in life. Do not use the plow as a tool of laziness. Use it as a way to extend yourself further in things that count. Rupertner used to say, a great shot in a pasuk in Tehillim, Ashir Hashem I will sing to Hashem with my life. And I will again sing praises Now, the easy pshat, the simple pshat of Baidi is while I'm still alive. Baidi while I'm here. Rav Hutner says no. Baidi means I will sing Hashem's praises Baidi. By extending myself, I giving more to you, Hashem. When I'm faced with a situation that naturally I feel I did enough, I'm going to give you a little bit more. I'm going to stretch my reach and my hand further. That's when Akhirishvaraku gets nachas. When you do more than what's expected, when you break your teva, when you work harder than you thought you could, that's when Akhirishvaraku gets nachas. Give you an example. Rapam once got a phone call from a Talmud, and this Talmud's father was a an old friend of Rapam. Obviously, Rapam became the Gadol and this this friend's father was just a, a regular, uh, you know, hush of a person. But like, not you know, they weren't they weren't colleagues, but they were old friends. And this man was in the hospital, and he was very depressed about his situation. Being in the hospital is very depressing, and. You know, you feel like you have no life anymore and people don't care about you and everybody's busy and, for, and you know, you're just stuck there. And his son was talking to him and trying to, like, get out of him what would give him the chama. So he says, you know, I would really love a visit from my old friend, Rabram Pam. That would really cheer me up. Oh, so the son was so happy, very easy. And he's a Talmud of Rabram. He called his rabbi and said, Rabbi, could you do me a favor, just whenever is good for you, just come to the hospital, visit my father. He's so depressed, he's so sick, he needs you. Sir Pam said, I would love to. There's only one problem. I'm a Kayin. I'm a Kayin. A Kayin can't go into a hospital. And that should have been the end of the conversation. That's, if I was Sir Pam, I'd say, okay, but thank you. Wish him a foot, and you know, have a good Shabbos, bye. Rapam was not me, though, Baruch Hashem. 
Rapam said, after thinking a few minutes, he said, is there a window by any chance in your father's hospital room? He says, yeah, my father's bed is right by the window. He says, on which side of the building is it on? He says, well, it's on the, uh, you know, the Fifth Avenue side in Midtown Manhattan and uh, on the fifth floor. He says, okay. He says, tomorrow afternoon at 5 o'clock, please have your father get off of the bed for a minute and look down at the street from the window. And he did that, and of course, Rapam was there, standing, waving to him from the street of Manhattan, wishing him a Shalema. And the man's <coughs> face was radiating Nachas, the sick man. And he had a complete recovery from that one Misa. He said, the reason why I got out of this hospital is because of that gesture from Ravram Pam, who went the extra mile for me. That's azamra lalaikai ba'aydi. When you do extra, no one expected anyone that was a kain to come, let alone a, an older man, gadladar, to come to midtown Manhattan to figure out to, that if I stand on the street at 5 o'clock, you'll be able to look down and see me. Nobody does that except for somebody that really gets this vart. That you have to extend yourself, you have to stretch yourself. You have to be masik the muad as a You might feel like you can't do any more, but guess what? You could stretch your teva and you could do more, and that's when life begins. Life begins, they say, outside of your comfort zone. When you break out of the comfort zone and you don't settle for mediocrity and settle for what you think you naturally could do, but you break through that, that's when life begins. These are things that we could do every day. So many times we say, it's enough, I did enough. At that moment, do a little more. Sometimes I try this when I, uh, when let's say I'm writing out a check for tzedakah. Okay, so whatever, whatever the amount that, that people are comfortable writing with, let's say, you know, your average amount that you give to a person that comes to the door is $18, let's say. So, Okay, I'm comfortable giving $18, that means. When you make out that check for $20 instead of $18, that's azamal al You stretch yourself further. Is it a lot of money? No. But it's a little extra. It shows that I'm trying harder. I put my hand in my pocket to get a quarter out, and two quarters are in my pocket. I don't really want to put two quarters in the pushka because you never know. I might need it for a meter later in the day. But I still put two quarters in the meter... You have just accomplished You have extended yourself. You have stretched yourself. You haven't accepted the easy road. The easy road was a quarter. That was a given. That was done. That was, that's already in the bank. Now you do a little extra. That's amazing. That's not a little thing. That's, it's just a quarter. But you're showing that you're not benefious. You're not taking things easy. You want to push yourself. You want to extend the limits a little bit more. A little bit. This is true for chesed, of course. We rest in our laurels. We did, we did an act of chesed and we're happy. Do a little more. Do a little more. Do a little better. 
You're nice to a person, and you think, okay, well, I, I did my chesed for the day. Be nicer, or be nice to another person now. The more that we push ourselves, the more nachas HaKadosh Baruch because we set for ourselves, like, you know, our, our levels of what we're comfortable in. And that's fine, but that's a given then. Now the Nekudas HaBechira, the, the new battleground for us is, is, can we up our game? Can we extend ourselves further? Can we do more? in whatever realm it is that we're doing. If you pull out a Medrash Tanchuma on this week's Parsha, you'll be very surprised. The deeper Amasral of Ela told us Nayach Nayach is about a five-page essay about Tarsh Peh Gemara, and about a person needing to exert toil and effort in order to conquer Tyre Shabbat Page after page, it's like it doesn't belong here. There's no shaykhus really to, between Tyre Shabbat on a simple level and Parshas Naya. And the Medrash goes on and on and on. I'll give you just one taste of what the Medrash says. Shalaitimsa Tyre Shabbat you will not find a person at Hamachacham with a mastery of Tereshabapeh who also wants Einig Ha'ilam. That's our dream. Our dream is I want to be a Tamachacham, I want to be a Kivager, but I also want to get a, a full night's sleep at night. I want to drive around in a Tesla, and I want to be able to eat sushi and steak three times a day. And I want to be able to, uh, you know, to do, to, to wear great clothing and, and to go on, on, on exotic vacations. I want it all. I want to be Rekhaim Kanievsky and uh, whoever, all wrapped up in one. The manager says you can't do it. I'm sorry. If that's your goal, forget about it. I'll, I'll save you a lot of time. It ain't happening. El Bimishememis Atzmeyalah. The only person that you'll find accomplished a mastery of Tarash success in Tarash is somebody who kills himself over the Gemara. Shememis Atzmeyalai kills himself. He schwitzes and he toils and he's up day and night in order to understand the Kasha of Tysis and the Tarash of Tysis. between Rishainim and Nakudas Hamachlaikas between Achrainim. The only way that you will get great in Parish of Alpeh, this is what the Medrash calls in Parish of Nayak of all places, is by schwitzing. In Yiddish we call it Haravanya. You have a lot of amelus, toil, effort, exertion. Schwitz. Perspiration. That's what's required to make it in Ayam in, 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 in Tarish of Alpeh. There's no shortcut, says the Medrash. And not just this, but on and on and on. The Medrash does not stop. Pages upon pages, the same Yisai, the same lesson. Tereshavah is great, but it's hard to get. Now, what does this have to do with Tarshav Naya? And I think the answer is very obvious. 
if this schmooze is true for everything that I said about giving a little extra tzedakah and writing out a bigger check and going to do more chesed and rapam, going to a hospital, it's true a thousandfold more in the sphere of Tyra. If there's one place that this schmooze is most relevant for us in yeshiva, it's this limanatayra realm of our life. We don't have many veritlach from the Chazanish. When I say veritlach, like, you know, nice Chumash Taira. Very rare to find, like, a, a var from the Chazanish was, you know, was busy with, with Kiddush HaChaydesh in Yanim and uh, International Dateline in Yanim and, uh, and Shemitah in Yanim. This Taira is, like, really, it's, it's the hardest, most complicated Taira. So he wasn't one to, to give easy cocktail Tairas, as somebody once put it. Like, it's not, you know... Tired you could say over at a cocktail party. That's not the Chazanish. The Chazanish has one bark, though, that's absolutely gorgeous. On Parshas Vayechi. On the Pasuk of the Bracha of Yisachar. Yisachar Kamar Gairim, Yisachar, who represents Limanat Tyre in its finest form. Yisachar was the ultimate Shpitzben Tyre. Yisachar is Tyre Shabbat Peh, Limanat Vayar menucha kitayv, the Pasuk says. Yisachar saw menucha. He saw relaxation, that it was geshmak. He wasn't blind. He knew that it was geshmak to go to Acapulco and, and, and swim in these blue seas and have fancy drinks and coconuts brought to you. He knew what menucha was. He knew that it was geshmak. He wasn't blind to the world, Yisachar. Vayar menucha kitayv, he saw that it was very good. And you know what the Pasuk ends? Vayet Shikhmai Lispo. So he basically lowered his shoulder to accept this heavy cargo, this heavy load of Limanataira. Amelus and Yagiyah. What's going on in this Pasuk? He saw Menuchus Taid. That means that the Pasuk should have continued. So he, he called his travel agent. He got two tickets to Acapulco. He checked into a casino and he partied. What's, this, what's the heckish in the Pasuk? Did he see, is Menucha good or not good? The Chazanish says, Menucha is great. The natural, the teva of a man is to love Menucha. We all love Menucha. You're not different than I. We all love doing nothing. We all love holding down the couch, playing video games. You think you're special because you like video games? Guess what? The whole world likes video games. Even Talmud HaChacham theoretically like video games. You know the difference between a Tamil Chacham and somebody that's, that's, that's playing video games all day is? Not that they, one likes video games, one doesn't. One likes movies, one doesn't. One likes, uh, you know, going to a partying all day and one doesn't. Everybody likes that. Who doesn't like Menucha? Everybody likes Menucha. Yisachar saw that Menucha was good and you know what he said? I'm sacrificing my Menucha to you, the Rebbein I want Menucha, but I'm going to give it up for you. And for the Torah. As soon as he thought about Menucha, he says, I'm giving it up to you. I'm not going to have that Menucha. I'm going to deprive myself of Menucha in order that I could accomplish Limanat Torah in its highest form. He lowered his shoulder. Loaded on. Shas, Paiskim, Rishayinim, Achreinim, Mishnabura. 
Musa, Machshava, load it on. Keep loading. Keep piling it on me. He saw Menucha was so good and then he dedicated the Menucha of his life to the toil of Tyra. This is the most relevant part of the Shmuz for us. We, like the people in the Daramabal, like Menucha. That's our natural Teva. That's our natural state of affairs. We like Menucha, period. We like Menucha. When I go home, you think I, you know, I run over to the Swamshang and start pulling out his Vachim and start like. No, my natural inclination is when I come home, I plop myself on the couch. And I stay there. That's the natural default position of a human being, period. If a person goes and then says, but I'm not going to go on the couch, I'm going to open up my Gemara, and I'm going to sit by that stender, and I'm going to you know, keep my eyes open all night, then you're Yisachar. Then you do like Nayach did. You built a Teva. You were Tireach and Amel for 120 years. Showing the world what Amelus is. Going against the natural menucha of Nayach. Giving the menucha to the Rabbi Nishalem and saying, I'll take Amelus instead. Thank you very much. And that's why the Medrash, Tanchuma, and Parshas Nayach teaches us this because this is the perfect parasha to teach us this. We can either be like the Daramabal. And love Menucha and just my whole life. Menucha, Menucha, I can't wait for this vacation. I can't wait for that vacation. I can't wait to try this new food and this new restaurant. And I can't wait to, uh, to, you know, to play this new video game and this new movie is coming out. Everything is Menucha. That's my whole life. That's what drives me. That could be. That was the Daramabal. Nayak built a teva and showed the world you can't do that. Don't allow my legacy of Ela told us Nayak to be Nayak. That would be the most horrible crime. I'm not a person that's been Nayak. I want Ruchmiya, says Nayak. I'm a tzaddik. I wanted you to shtayim. The opportunity that we have to go against this natural instinct of Menucha is Teresh Peh. It's hard. It takes a lot of work. We know that. It's hard to prepare for shir. It's hard to listen to shir. It's hard to chazer shir. It's hard. And we don't like things hard. We like things nice and easy. We all do. But the teva teaches you that when you break your teva and when you go and extend yourself further, I don't want to stop at lunchtime, 12 o'clock, okay, yabba dabba do, let's close our gemara and go to lunch. I want to do an extra five minutes of, of learning. Let's stay five more minutes. After Marib, instead of going back to the dorm, let me stay another 10 minutes. Let me make another Seder. Ben Azmanim, before Shachris, by breakfast, whenever. That when I work really hard and I give up my menucha and I give, I trade it in for Amelos, I'm doing something that's extending myself. I'm not resting on my natural tendency of menucha, but I'm extending, I'm breaking out of that constraint that I set for myself, and I'm doing more and deeper and harder and rougher and tougher, but that's what makes me into a Tamar Chacham. And like the Teva, Kedush responds every single time. When a person extends themselves beyond their natural Natiya, and they do Amelos and Yegiyah and Haravanya, even though they would, not, would 
naturally want to be Benayach. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Hichsik. Hamur es He makes a nace every single time. It never fails. That when a person tries their hardest, even though they have to schwitz and schwitz and schwitz, and it seems like they're not getting anywhere, be careful of those people. Look out, because Shemehen Teitzei Taira. Taira will come out of the people that try so hard. There are people that are brilliant that don't try at all. Nothing becomes of them. There are people that have a head like a watermelon. Nothing is able to stay in their heads. They don't have a single Rashi, a single Tysus. But meet up with them a few years later and see where they are and see where you are. There's a story that's told about the great Chassam Seifer. We don't have somebody greater than the Chassam Seifer. Chassam Seifer was a bucky in everything. His Svarim run the gamut of Halacha, his Shailas Uchubas are classics. His Chumash Torah is classic. He has, he has poetry that he wrote that's classic. He has Machshava. The Chasim Sefer was everything. And he had a Talmud that came to Yeshiva. He knew nothing. And he did him a favor by accepting him into Yeshiva because he didn't even take a Fahir. That's how he knew nothing. He knew nothing. But the Chassam Seifer maybe saw something in him and he had, he made Chavrusas with him, not him himself, but he had different Talmidim learn with him this and learn with him that. And before he knew it, he, he went from being a total zero in learning to becoming very good in learning, to becoming excellent in learning, a person that had zero head. I'm not saying that he didn't have experience. He tried, but he didn't, he wasn't, there was no traction. But he was tenacious, and he had amelus and yegia. He was mamus atzmela, and before long, he became a rav in a in a chashuva community. And before long, he became a correspondent with a chasam cipher, and his name appears many times in his chuvas, and that's a big deal. To be conversant with a chasam cipher, to have a back and forth in chuvas with a chasam cipher going toe-to-toe with the Gadol Hadar, and the Gadol Hadaris means that you have basically scratched the surface of, of Shemayim. You have gone from being a nothing to being the greatest person in learning in the world. How did this happen? Very simply, it happened because he had Yagiya, he had Amelos, he, he wanted it, he had a Bikush, and he extended himself so far, so beyond his Teva, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu responded in kind beyond the Teva of his person. And he was Hichzeh Kamuet, his small puny brain, was able suddenly to encompass the Merubah, to hold so much Tyra in that brain that people were like, shocked him? This guy made it? It works every time. The more you extend yourself, HaKadosh Baruch Hu responds. You break your Teva with Amelos and Yagiyah, you don't settle for Neuchiyas, for relaxation, for leisure. HaKadosh Baruch Hu will respond by going against the Teva, L'maylamena Teva, Hichzik, Hamur Es You will find suddenly an elasticity in your mind. Your vistas will, will be expanded. You could be the greatest Tamachachim in the world, and I'm talking to you. But it starts with Amelos, it starts with Yagiyah, it starts with following the footsteps of Nayah. 
who with all of the natural tendencies of Neuchias that we all have, went and built that Teva, and the Teva itself is made Kemei Eden. HaKrishpachu says, I love what you're doing. I love your productivity. I love your work. I love your Schwitz. I love the fact that you're able to put so much into something, to invest, to, to try, to endeavor. And I'm going to respond in kind. You gave me your eye, I will give you my eye. Every time. Every single time. So many lessons to take from these parshas. Every single Kutzei Shal Yud in the Torah has a million lessons, but this is the major lesson that we need to take at the beginning of this man. All of us. I'm not talking, I'm not preaching. I never preach. I, I'm, I'm talking really to myself. I really am. The more that we extend ourselves, schwitz a little bit. It's nothing, there's nothing wrong with hard, hard work. We roll up our sleeves, we come to the base medish on time, we learn, we put away the cell phones, we put away the distractions, and we just completely try to immerse ourselves in the Tairas Hashem, in the Tairas Shabbal Peh, and we're mamis atzmei oleha. To such a person, the Medrash Tanchuma says, he will find the Tairas Shabbal Peh. Tairas Shabbal Peh will be very comfortable in such a person, and will expand in such a person, and will blossom, and will germinate, and will breed Chidushim, Talmidim, Bonim, that are Eiskim Bater of Mitzvahs. HaKadosh will give us this incredible bracha of the nace of Hichzik Hamur Esamaruba. Don't ever sell yourself short. Never say, well, I'm not, I don't have the head for it. The people that are in Kailo, the people that are Rosh Hashivas, they are people that are brilliant, they have photographic memories. I don't have that, I'm out. Don't ever say that. You're denying the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves Amelos Patayra. Amelos does not mean that you're, you're, you're throwing around Kibegers. Amelos means even if you're trying to understand four words in Rashi and you don't know where the comma is. That's also Amelos. HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves that. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there's a Maisel with a stipler that the stipler there was a, a bacher in one of the yeshivas in Eretzion. He was depressed. He wasn't accomplishing. He felt like a, a loser. He had no, no cup, no, no lumbus, no logic, no nothing. He just felt like everybody else was like, like light years ahead of him. And he was just dragging his feet. And he was just collapsing by the weight of his own ignorance. And they brought the, the mashkiach and the yeshiva. They didn't know what to do. The guy was mamish in a deep depression from this. He brought him to the stipler. To his one last resort, it was a stipler. Brought him to B'nai Brak and the stipler. Here's what he's saying. He says, are, are you working? He says, yes, I'm working very hard. But I can't understand the Rashi and I can't understand the Taisa. It doesn't go in. I'm sorry. It just doesn't. I'm trying. I'm schwitzing. I'm day and night. And it's not going. Everybody else is already writing Shidush Taira. They're writing Svarim. I can't even break a Taisa. The stipler said to him, he says, I want you to know something. I'm going to tell you something and you have to listen to me and you have to believe me. When you sit by your Gemara and you're breaking your head on that Tysis, when I do that, I don't know what goes on in Shemayim, but he says, I'm willing to take a Shvua Dairaisa. That when you are doing it, HaKadosh Baruch Hu 
quiets the Pamalia Shamala, all of the Malachim upstairs that are singing and talking and learning. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Shh, I want to hear his Torah. The whole world stops for you because you're trying your best. You're putting your all in. When people that are brilliant do that, it's also great, but it's not nearly as great as a person that's simple, who, does, who has a very small teva, and he's davening to the Rabbi Shalom with his amelos and with his igiyah, please expand, expand my maya. Be masik the mood as now. The Pamalya Shamala is quiet, it says the cycling, so I'm willing to take a Shmuel For your tire, the whole world stops. For your tire. And the person, of course, walked out like a million bucks was given to him. And that part was not only to that person, it was to each and every one of us. Never sell yourself short. Akarishparku, like the Teva, can make our Mayach, Hitzik, Muedes Amaruba. We could become brilliant. I could tell you a thousand stories. A thousand examples, we don't have time, but you know a lot of them. And maybe you've seen your friends or people that you know in your own worlds that were not so smart, but just by sheer tenacity, by sheer yagiya and desire and hunger, they became greater and greater and greater, and they're on the road to greatness. And that could be you and me. That's why this whole Torah of Torah Shabbat Peh and Amelus comes into play by the Rashi Tevis of Ela told us, Nayach, Nayach. You can't expect to be on easy street and have the Pamaya Shamala quiet for you. But if you're willing to give up some of these luxuries, put them on the back burner so that the front burner could be Rashi and Tesis and the Ritva and the Rashba, you're on your way to greatness. You're on your way to an expansion of your great self to realize the potential that no one ever thought you had, including yourself. You're on your way to the nace. Have a wonderful Shabbos and a wonderful Zman.